Hello, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Tabletop Theater. Last time, our heroes have had many questions left unanswered, finding this brief period of respite a time to collect themselves amongst the events surrounding them. The truth of Rosalind's imprisonment, the now-resurrected Angel of Mercy, and Lola's familial ties. With tensions running high and a possible attack on the house imminent, the Nightingale Watch must prepare to fight an enemy at the gate, and the enemies within the house. Now, let's get back to the action. It's late at night after your last eventful day. A meeting is going on in the living room, the floor below you. You can hear the faint sounds of chatter as you get Rosalind ready for bed. She's wearing an old nightdress of your youngest sister, who was around the same age. It fits terribly, as it was meant for a half-spider. Oh, that's all right, dearie. It's just for bed. You needn't worry about tripping on it. Uh, now, let's finish combing. Let's finish brushing your hair, all right? Ninety. Seven? <laughs> no, I need to... <laughs> okay. Uh, 100 right. 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, and 100. There you are. Oh, your flaxen hair is gorgeous. You look absolutely... You look absolutely radiant, my dear. Now, hop into bed. She does. And you tuck her in. Now, let me see, let me see. And I walk over to a bookcase and find an old red leather volume. Ah, here's the one. This is a book of poems that my mother used to read me when I was young. Maybe this will ease your mind before you nestle into bed. So I... Um, walk back over to the bed, take a seat, and open the, the book where there's a red silk ribbon holding a page. Mm-hmm. Ah, well now this is a lovely poem. This is something that my mother would read me in the cold winter months. I think maybe it'll put you right to sleep. Be still, little one, and let us listen now to the cold winter wind howling through the trees. And you may well feel ill at ease by a branch tapping at the glass, creaking at the bough. But the terrors of the outside world grow dim as the dying embers of the fire glowing red. When you are lying safe and warm in your bed, free unto a dreamland of fancy and whim. I close the book, and I give her a kiss on the forehead, and I say, Rosalind, darling, thank you for holding tight for so long. You've been so good while the adults have been fussing over talk with angels and this ridiculous war. But I promise you, Rosalind, I promise you, I will take you back home, wherever that may be. And I slowly get up, get to the door, wave, and slowly shut the door. You return downstairs to the meeting that's already underway. You hear Robin speaking. I've just got off the radio with the uh, rest of the Nightingale Watch. They're about a day's travel away. Headed straight back to pick us up, but... I mean, we should probably still prepare for... In the event, whoever these people are that are hunting you, she gestures at Clarice, if they arrive before them. Oh, that's splendid. I should prepare some... I should prepare some tea for when they arrive. Hmm, maybe some cakes? Who knows? Well, I'll see what's left in the kitchen. That's not exactly what the kind of preparation I meant, Lola. I was 
talking more about preparing the house in case of an attack. Oh. And I blush a little bit and say, oh, of, of course. Hmm. Yeah, I see a lot of windows and uh, open doorways. We'll need all hands on deck to get this house in gear. Precisely, says Clarice. I trust you will be good about organizing this then, Drifter. Yeah, it's not the first time I've had to de- defend my homestead. Excellent. Uh, Clarice turns to you, Chosh. She looks apprehensively at Mercy, who's standing behind you, who seems bemused at the technical equipment that's on the table. He picks it up and fiddles with the radio, seems intrigued with it. Clarice looks back at you and says, Josh, we need to... Josh, we we need to deal with Argus. We can't have an enemy at our backs during this fight. We can't hope to win if we're fighting two fronts here. You'll need to deal with Argus tomorrow. Josh will... uh look at Mercy, look back at Mercy and see if Mercy has any input on that. Mercy looks at you and he kind of gives you a glance that maybe he'll talk to you in private about it okay. later. But he doesn't uh, He doesn't imply anything else than that All at right. this moment. Josh will uh, then look back at Clary's and say uh, don't worry about Argus. Consider it done. That's what I like to hear, Josh. As for the rest of you, she gestures to the dandy boys. Just do whatever. Just do whatever the man says. Gestures to you, Drifter. And they uh, kind of salute. Uh, Peppermint Perry kind of salutes a little too vigorously. Kind of hits himself in the head with like a oh, with a no. wrench that he was that he was holding. What? Uh, he he like rubs the uh, like the big uh, bump on his head that is now growing. Uh, Clarice lets out a sigh of exasperation. Oh. Oh. Rest in peace, Peppermint Perry. Goodness. <laughs> um you yeah yeah you hear um oh please oh pepper perry i'm so sorry uh crisp <laughs> the, 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 all he grabs the, the wrench and hits himself all, yeah he hits him in the self of the head just to just so they match um <laughs> they're not related I, 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 that's important to mention <laughs> there's just one name sparrow and one name yeah Perry, they're, they're, and they're just unrelated like, the are, are nicknames yeah yeah fate yeah that's not their real name true lovers joined by love peppermint perry's real name is percival <laughs> p uh <laughs> Perry the platypus. We did come up Percival with the name. Periwinkle. <laughs> it's been we a while. did. They were the, the yeah. per- Perry is just the Team Periwinkle. Um anyway, going forward, the is does anyone have any questions about going about the, about the meeting or anything else you want to talk about or ask about? What do we know precisely Clarice about our adversaries? How will they be fighting us? How how will they be combating us tomorrow? She looks at you but doesn't meet your gaze ever since your conversation earlier in the evening. She says, It's a group who've been hunting down members of the faith and then selling off the faith that they have, either back to the angels or to the Heenan. They've no allegiance, just care about themselves. And worst of all, they are well-armed. A lot are former military officers and professional mercenaries. Are there any particular enchantments we can place in the house to better guard it? Any safety precautions that Papa might have, that Father might have? Yes, there are a few charms that are in place to help protect the house from degrees of damage, as well as anti-intruder charms as well. I'll provide some warding as well to alert us should anyone try to enter into the vicinity of the house, in addition to some of the rooms I'll do this however you see fit, Drifter, since you'll be planning out this defense plan. Now then, I think the first thing we need to do, um, but you stop paying attention at that moment, Lola, because you notice that there's somebody else who's now joined this room, this very full living room conversation. You see Rosalind has wandered downstairs. I really wanted it to be the ghost of the father. I really wanted it to be. Um. <laughs> that ghost's name, Abraham oh, Lincoln. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god. I feel like gasping, but I, I clasp a hand over my mouth suddenly <clears throat> upon seeing her. Um, and <clears throat> compose myself and cast message uh, to Rosalind. And I whisper, Rosalind, get back to 
Um, Rosalind, you can't be down here now. I thought I tucked you in. Go back. She looks kind of puzzled. Um, she seems intrigued by the presence of Mercy there. And is kind of like walking closer to the room. Clarice is facing the other direction, though, and doesn't seem to see her at all. Now, I'm warning you. Rosalind, you... Uh, Rosalind, you better go upstairs this instant. Uh, roll a persuasion check. Uh, that's only 14. She she stops midway um, and kind of turns around a corner. And you think, good. And it's good because Clarice turns at that exact moment and says, What are you looking at, Lola? But there's nothing in the hallway. It's none of your concern. I'm looking around our property. Oh, I don't know. That sounds stupid. <laughs> oh, um, nothing, nothing. Uh, please carry on. Anyway, as I was saying, so I think, well, there's always the secret passageway back in the back of the house that we used to use to slip out at night. I think in the event of any disastrous implications, I think this is probably our best route of escape. Now, I think that you, she points to um, one of the dandy boys, but then again, you stop paying attention, Lola, as Rosalind has reappeared sort of underneath the table. Rosalind! <laughs> Rosalind! Get out from under the table and go upstairs. I, this is the last warning, my dear. Other people here are also noticing. Why don't you roll a persu- uh, perception check, both Drifter and Trash? Um, don't worry. Oh, wait, actually, I rolled a nine. I rolled a seven. <laughs> um, Trash and Drifter, you are oblivious to the yeah. fact that there is a child there. I, I imagine her horn is kind of like picking up the tablecloth a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You, you guys aren't really, it's just like, just barely like unsettling things. Drifter drags on his cigarette? Sure. On the cigarette? Yeah. Cigar. Or on, on a, cigar, of course. Do you drag on, on a cigar? Yeah. I don't know he drags on a I've cigar. I've never had a cigar. I've never I think you puff cigar. a cigar. You puff. Puff sounds puff. good. Clarice finishes up saying, now I know there's a lot going on right now. There's a lot of moving parts. She looks at the angel. She kind of looks down as if to look at the basement where Argus is. She looks at your motley crew. And back to you, Lola. But I think as long as anything doesn't get any more complicated than this, everything will be fine tomorrow. (laughs) And as Excuse me. (laughs) And as you... And as she says this, you see the tablecloth move and a small child appear on the other side of the table, (laughs) standing next to Clarice. Jesus. And she comically looks over. I don't have any invisibilities. (laughs) Um, Well, uh, about things getting a bit more complicated, uh, Clarice, this is my... Young ward, Rosalind. Rosalind, be polite. Offer your hand. She, like, gives a small little wave close to her. Like, keeps her hand kind of close to her. Gives a little wave. Say hello to Auntie Clarice. (laughs) Now, Clarice, this shouldn't make anything more difficult... This shouldn't really make anything more difficult than it already is. She's just a child, and I'm taking very good care of her. Now, Rosalind, go back to bed. This time she obeys. There's a long period of quiet. And Clarice says, We should all get some rest. Indeed. The next day... The house is abuzz with activity. The dandy boys are moving many of the chairs and tables to help barricade the walls and prepare the defenses according to the grandmaster strategy of Drifter. Drifter, tell me a little bit about how you're preparing the house's defenses today. Chosh, you'll be also helping Drifter. Uh, you'll just be with him. And then you're also aided by Catherine and Robin. And even the queen pops in occasionally, but she kind of daintily sort of orders the dandy boys around rather than do anything herself. Uh, but Drifter, what would you like to do? All right. Um, so Drifter will talk to Lola, as she knows the house fairly well. Yes, yes, yes. 
uh, and I'm, I'm, I imagine we're like both pacing mm-hmm. up and down stairs and through corridors. Go on, Drifter. All Tell right. me what I need to know. We need a good inventory of what we got. Um, do we have any gasoline or any oil maybe in a shed somewhere? Uh, yes, um, I do believe we have some oil in the gardener's shed that might be useful in making explosives. And also our potions room. Uh, that was always very fun when we were little, just to mess around with. Um. <laughs> All right, Danny boys, Spearman's Berry, Apothecary Garden, Peppermint Perry, head to the we do. gardener's shed, see what we can find. We also do have some rather exotic spices. If that ever <laughs> comes up, uh, we'll, uh, we'll keep that in mind for the, the post. Oh, well, excellent, my dear, excellent. I shall carry on, and... Why don't you, why don't you head down to the wine cellar and pick out any wines you don't mind... Uh, getting rid of at the moment oh sure i mean as in, as many as you like uh, there are a few, few vintages that i never personally care for well i don't really have too many but well yes drifter i right away i will go and grab whatever mm, whatever mediocre whatever middling vintages i can find in the cellar mm. and bring them straight to you anything else my dear uh that'll be good for now um this library is going to be an issue. I see we have uh, five outdoor-facing windows. That's, uh, uh, that's going to be yes. tricky. And they are stained glass, and so I'd rather you protect them. I, I understand <laughs> our safety comes first, but it would be nice to barricade those particular windows. I, I was always keen on them um, as a child. But, but, but that is no matter. Please, yes, the... The library is of utmost importance. We'll, we'll see what we can do, and Drifter will kind of like make a make a, his eyes go wide, like not likely. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> oh, my windows. Um, okay, so oh, that, that's something Drifter has. So I'm gonna try to use the oil in the front door to try to put like some fire and, and get out some yeah some, of the, the, the some early, slippery oil, you know, so they can slippery slip oil around. like yeah. uh, like Helm's Deep. Yeah. Um, this library, I'm trying to think of the best way to... There's one door from the library into the rest of the house, so it might be better to barricade that than barricade the five windows mm-hmm. because I can't. Or, or we could do... We could have them, like, something something that I could, like, melt shoes so then we put, like, all this, like, broken wine bottles oh, like and you could step on them. Yeah, uh, you could... Um, step on broken glass? That would do it. Sure, whatever you want to do. Just uh, say what like you're going to do. Like a corrosive touch? Is that a spell? I sure. feel like it is. Um, uh, I'll put a bunch of rakes for them to step on and hit themselves in the face with the thing. No. You know, like. <laughs> right, rakes have been set up um, in the yard. So, okay, so like, let's say there's a potion of like vile corrosion whereupon like, uh, like if a living thing touches it, uh, it immediately like starts to bubble and like inflict poison damage. Mm, I'll give something like that to the next day. Uh, I'm more looking for like okay. yeah. I'm so looking for more just... physical traps today. Oh, if I you're see. looking okay. for things like that, that's more like a thing I'll give you. I'm sorry, I, like you it's said, apothecary stuff. So I thought. Like, no, something. you can. I mean, I'm just mentioning it. If you have a. Mm. Do we have a knight of armor? <laughs> there are. Yes. There are. It's we knights of enchant? armor. We can hide. Yeah. We get. Hi- can we hide oh, yeah. Josh <laughs> among knights armor? Yeah, have him jump up behind. Like to have like a fur, like a row <laughs> He's of like standing knights, <laughs> and then only one of them is real. <laughs> and the one with like was like gold armor is like very like flashy. A fish head. <laughs> like really super like obvious. <laughs> yeah, that's great. You yeah, see you my eyes peering from behind the helmet. <laughs> Should I take a look into this music you're room? Fidgeting, you're fidgeting. You're like nervous. <laughs> yeah. Because you're like, like nineteen or whatever. Yeah, and Josh is a child. I feel like we forget that a lot. Whatever you want to check. Uh, Drifter is going to be doing like kind of a sweep of the house, seeing what he can find. He'll walk into the music room. Anything particular in that music room? What I thought that was barred off. Music room has been barred off. Okay. Can't be. So you can't just walk. You okay. can't just do, do you that. Wanna, oh, I did not know that. Do you want? Oh, un- it's okay. I just remember. From as right. you as you walk over to the music room, realizing it is barred off, um, you hear Catherine and Robin say, "Well, you hear Robin say, uh, yeah, we had to bar that off for uh, safety reasons.'" Um, the piano uh, kept biting people, and uh, yeah, so you know it's it's really in there for our protection more than it's at this point. I wish they told me that. I could definitely, I could, <laughs> I could tuck it down. Yeah, he's <laughs> oh, well, he's fine. Drifter, hearing this, will head over to Lola and say, 
Hey, do you know anything about a biting piano? Oh, yes, that that's Goldstein. Uh, oh, he's he's a dear, really. He's just a little... Uh, you know, he's a little... Chompy. Timid of strangers. He's a little timid of strangers, so... Um, do you need me to... That might be uh, of some use for us. Ah, okay. Both Catherine and uh, Robin, who've been working together a lot of this day, mm -hmm. uh, work together to unbar this door for you. And you go inside, and you can kind of hear like a snarl coming from the piano itself. Goldstein! 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 Now, don't be snappy. It's me! Lola! You know, little Dolores? I know it's been Asia's. Is he still... Uh, he's still snapping. He's still snapping. Hmm. I guess you don't believe me. I must... Time has taken a toll on me, I see. And, um... Well, I do know... I do know what will cheer you up. I do know what will calm you down a bit, my old friend. And then I sing... You 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 hum a little tune, and that uh, seems to placate him. <laughs> uh, Drifter will also send. Uh, can you give me some other dandy boy names to Perry and Sperry? Yeah, there's Crispin Crustwell and uh, <laughs> William Taffy. William Taffy. And also there is, of course, uh, yeah, uh, Captain, Captain Fonda. Fonda. Yeah. We'll, we'll, um, Drifter will send um, ta uh, William Taffy and, and Crispin. Yeah. To uh, well, get I don't care some. About Crispin. <laughs> I don't either. To, to get some wine barrels from the basement to put uh, the top of the foyer on the top of the stairs, to, you know, in case uh, people try to come up that way. Oh, yeah, sure thing. Uh, we'll, we'll keep it secret. We won't mention it to our guests downstairs what we're doing either. <laughs> don't worry. Lips are sealed. Isn't that right? William Taffy nods curtly. Oh, why doesn't Taffy speak? I really just want to hear him. I he a voice. <laughs> don't need to hear another <laughs> word. Say to be a voice for him. <laughs> yeah, you'd like to hear his voice, wouldn't you? I would. Lola, you go downstairs to collect some of the wine bottles. Um, mm. Josh, you've been helping out as well with the setup of this. You've been moving an old dresser into place, barricading one of the windows. Um, when as this happens, one of the drawers kind of falls open and a bunch of letters pour out. Old letters. They look a lot like love letters. How do you Aww. know that? They have hearts on them. Yeah, they have hearts <laughs> and, and smooches on them. And, yeah. Um, like uh, like a curly print or like hearts over the eyes. The stationery is pink. The stationery is pink. There's like faint smells of perfume on them. <laughs> Are you interested in reading these letters? Well, now I'm very interested in reading these letters. <laughs> Josh is not that perceptive. <laughs> <laughs> he just sees this as correspondence that he should dutifully not open. Or not peruse because it is not addressed to. Well, here's the do thing: are, are these sealed envelopes, or are these like? No, they no, must they're, have been they're, opened. They've been opened. Yeah, I mean, Josh will, Josh will give them a cursory look to see what this is all okay. about. The first one says, "Dearest Dolores, it seems my last few letters have gone astray, as I have yet to hear a response from you for over a month. As always, my heart pines for you in the thought of our future life together with our multitudes of spider children. Charmfully yours, Matthias Longwood. Chosh will turn and look at Drifter and say, the narrative voice of this letter tells me that it was an older gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. This uh, this voiceover really makes it seem <laughs> like this is not... <laughs> <laughs> there, there are there are four letters in total. You've read one of them. Would you like to read the next? You um, can stop whenever you like. Josh will ask Drifter. Do you think we should keep reading? Well, it, it, did you read that like to yourself, or did it be aloud? I like to, to imagine Drifter? that I read it aloud in the voice. <laughs> oh, would you like to? Uh, would you like to uh, read the letter, Josh? I'll ooh, I'll send it to you. Yeah, I'll 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 read it. Oh, that's so good. I like that a lot. You're like, oh, I don't know. We're supposed to be looking at these things. You're right. And then he looks down at the next one and he says, Drifter, this one has a poem. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, all right then. <laughs> Josh will uh, pretend to put on like spectacles over his helmet and uh, he'll stand up straight and he'll say, My dear Dolores, I've written you this poem. A spider's web you weave. <laughs> A spider's web you weave around my heartstring. Your tug and <laughs> you. T <laughs> All right, let me start this over. Let me start this over. <laughs> this is great, Jacob. I really like this. 
a spider's web you weave around my heartstring. You tug and pull them like a marionette. You treat me like a family pet. My only thought is to give you a wedding ring. Please be mine, Dolores. Yours forever, James Foxworth. Josh will give Drifter a letter and say, why don't you, why don't you read me this one? You know, I don't know about this, Josh. Dolores, though you are of Chimerian birth, I do find your presence charming and a union of our families to be one most advantageous. My father has arranged for us to dance center stage at the next ball, and I full expect you to be there and ready. I look forward to your response. Most respectfully, Philip V. Klovix. Klovix. Philip V. Klovix. You um, remember? You remember? The guy who almost it, killed at Josh? The, at the uh, swamp? Toxic jungle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is one more, and it is the hardest one to read. And Josh will pick up the last letter and say, well, I can see why this one did not get uh, responded to. Dolores. <laughs> that is the meaning of your last letter. Unfortunately, I am only proficient with my elvish. Please explain that I would rather live the lifespan of a, of a regular spider than spending mine own with you? Isn't this a Chimerian expression? Sergek Ogovich the third. Okay. That's good. I love right. Sergek Ogovich the third. Okay, Jake. All right. Love it. Lola, in between these times that you've been helping out amongst the house... You find yourself retreating often to your father's study. On one such occasion, you sit down at his desk amongst many old pictures with a glass of sherry. Finally notice what they actually have on display. You see old photos of you, your mother, Clarice, and little Mariana. There's even a photo of all of you. It was taken with the first family camera. While there are individual pictures of you that are more austere and dignified, this single group photo, but this one family picture of you smiling, dancing with your two sisters and your mother, sits in the center of the desk. It's very much like my father to take notes, a rather copious amount of notes. Mm-hmm. As I look at the piles and piles of records and, and bills and letters. And so... Curiously, I take the frame mm-hmm. and I try to carefully, oh, so carefully, um, remove the picture from the frame just to see if there's anything written on the back. Roll an investigation check. I rip the picture. <laughs> oh, that's an ad 20. Wow. All right, you're very lucky. <laughs> um, on, yeah. the back of the, on the back of the picture, you notice that there are three numbers written. 03-24-16. That's rather peculiar. I get up from the desk and look around the room. Is there a... I mean, do I know there's a safe? I think it's reasonable. Uh, why don't you make another check just to find it easily? I mean, okay. I, I, I hmm. With advantage. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I can only assume that's... I, well, my first thought is that it's for a safe, and... That's fair. I think that's a fair thought. I roll. want to take a look. So 17, 16. Jeez, just roll um. like dynamite, guys. All right. <laughs> and I don't know what my plus is, but it's plus some. Investigation? Yeah, that's... Yeah. It's plus three. As you look through the desk drawers, you open one, and you find sitting inside the desk is a, t- is a safe with a combination lock. Well, here goes... Three, twenty-four, sixteen. You open the safe. Mm-hmm. Inside, you see a half-finished weaving with a large pair of sewing needles. Your mother's. The needles are intricately designed with spider motifs and are clearly made of some sort of high-quality silver. Mama. Was this her last weaving? When she worked on while she was ill? And do I recognize the picture of what she's, the design she's, was attempting to make? Do you pick it up? Yes. 
the weaving or the needles? I pick up the weaving. As you pick up the weaving, a little piece of paper falls out. I slowly pick it up and I read it. It says, Dolores, these were your mother's. You always showed aptitude with magic, just like her. I intended them as a wedding gift for you, but... Holding the sewing needles, you feel a rush of energy, as if a gust of warm wind was blown from beneath you. Reading the remainder of the note, you see a name for the needles. It's called Spider's Thread. It's your mother's wands. Oh my goodness. It also details what sort of abilities they have, which I will just detail here for the audience's point of view more than anybody else's. But um, it allows you to spider climb at will, shoot two webs a day, and has an ability known as Stitch, where once a day you can repair damage to a non-magic item or surface, or you can heal 3d8. I sit in the chair, drain my sherry, and I get up from the desk, pour myself another glass, and walk to the record player. Um, and I say, well, here's to you, Papa. Thank you. And play the record. You play one of your father's favorites. You stand there, enjoying your glass of sherry. You hear a knock on the door. Excuse me, dear. I've been looking all over for you. I, I've, I've had this letter. I just haven't had the time to deliver it to you. It came about a, well few weeks after you've dropped me off here. Oh, um, oh, uh, of course, Your Majesty. And um, I, I kind of wipe my eyes uh, with a handkerchief and go right to the door. Um, well, thank you ever so kindly, Your Majesty. Why wouldn't you have sent the dandy boys? It seems rather beneath you to deliver a letter, but thank you all the same. Well, that's the least I can do after everything you've done for me. Come on, boys. This cabinet isn't going to move itself now. You see a couple of the dandy boys rush over to help remove a cabinet. Now, there we go. Yes, good strapping lads. Excellent work. I'll keep an eye out. Make sure you don't hit any edges. I curtsy as she leaves and close the door once more. Um, Hastily, I grab um, a letter opener. Is that the word? Yeah. Letter opening knife. Mm Mm-hmm. And rip open the letter, just rather indelicately. Tear it from its envelope. Would you like me to read it? Yes, I start to read. Dolores, I can only assume or hope that you made it out of her safely and returned to Bramblethorn. I I apologize for leading you on before, not telling you the whole story. The truth, I am afraid I was... The truth, I am afraid, was too painful for me to admit. The girl you rescued, Rosalind, is my daughter. Some time ago, she was taken from me due to her deformities. Emperor Umps cracked down on non-purebred elves. What? That fucker! Emperor Umps cracked down on non-purebred elves, took her from me. He used her imprisonment to ensure my own loyalty these past years. I can only hope that she is all right and safe with you. Though you know little about me, though you know little about me, your trust in me has saved the lives of more than one person I care about. I felt I owed you a debt I am afraid I cannot hope to repay. My time here is coming to an end. My conduct in assisting you these past few days has brought a military tribunal against me, one I am unlikely to weather. Thus, I am afraid this is all I can do to pay back my debt to you. You may be curious why I knew so much about you, Dolores. It is because I came into possession of Bramblethorpe Manor a few years ago. I spent time living there, and in turn came to know you. That is how I knew I could trust you with the Queen. How I knew I could trust you with Rosalind. And why even now, I believe you to be alive. Despite my own faults and failings, 
I know I have done one thing right, and that is believing in you, Dolores. I return Bramblethorn to its rightful owner, you, in the hopes that it may be a home for you and Rosalind, that it never was for us. I hope this, in some small way, repays the kindness you have shown me. Sincerely, General William Zarkov. I, I frantically flip over the letter to see if there's anything written on the other side. That's it. I look into the envelope. Is there anything else? Nothing. I read it again. And again. I... I just collapse onto the floor. I fall to my knees. And... I mourn for him. Josh, you're in the basement, standing outside of Argus's room, the wine cellar, where he's tied up again. Mm. You're there alone with Mercy, speaking to him before you enter. Josh, I don't know. Many things have changed. I don't know who this man Argus is, or whatever this Heenan thing is that he's apparently a part of. But whatever he's done can't possibly be past forgiveness, Josh. I have a story for you. There was once a, a pair of brothers who journeyed like you, but they met an unfortunate fate. Only one escaped because of my help. Because of my mercy. And for that, they silenced me, Josh. They saw what lies at the end. And survived. You enter the room with Argus. So Josh will walk up to Argus um, silently and uh, just sort of like walk up to him. And say, uh, and then when he finally reaches him, he'll say, all right, get up, let's go. Is it that time already? You already thought you were getting to like me. <laughs> Josh will, uh, will laugh at that a little bit. Make it quick. He stands up. Josh will, um, gently, uh, you know, um, escort him outside, not like less like a prisoner and more like you know you know what i mean it's not it's not like a violent push it's just sort of an escort you take him up to the next floor you pass by members of the nightingale watch who look on sort of ominously you pass by robin catherine and the dandy boys eventually you pass by drifter as you go to meet Clarice outside. Dritter will, will give Chosh a long look and uh, give him a nod. You continue on outside. You see Clarice is out there waiting for you in the front lawn. She's set up a slab and she is holding a sword. One of the, sword, one of the swords from one of the paladins she had brought with her. She gestures for you to put Argus, you know, to have him kneel. Chosh will have Argus kneel, but not not put his head down. Um, just sort of get down. It's there's snow here, right? It's a snowy place. It's uh, it's it's not snowing right now, ah. but it is fairly cold outside. So Chosh will have him put his knees in the in the dirt in the earth, and um, he'll uh, take in the horizon the environment um we haven't really talked about it too much but it seems to me like uh the the world isn't geographically in great shape like am i incorrect to say that like the mark of war so to speak is like on the land perhaps not here in this idyllic era so then so then we're in a nice place then we're in like a mm -hmm. a pretty place you are okay you're right you're surrounded by woods 
Okay. Bramble Thorn Woods. So Josh will sort of look at the woods and take them in. And um, he's behind Argus, so Argus can't see him. But he'll sort of, he'll, he'll take off his helmet and do a big, big, like, s- s- breath of air and take it in. Your breath is warm against the cold air. You see it rise up and swirl into vapor. Chash will, uh, still staying behind Argus, say, um, it's beautiful, isn't it? He grunts. Chash will uh, stand sort of, you know, on Argus's side and not look at him and still look out at the horizon and say, Argus, would you rather the world look like this or like what your friends made? Like what Siegfried made? Like what that puppet made? Which world would you prefer to live in? He turns his head as much as he can and he says, At the end of the day, Josh, we all yearn for a peace like what you've had here. Clarice holds out the sword to you. She says, Josh, I don't need a valiant knight right now. What I need you to be is a sword. Do what you need to do. I need you to... But she trails off as she sees someone walking towards the Rose Garden. She says, Josh, I am... I trust you will do what needs to be done. And she hitches up her robes and heads over to the Rose Garden as well. Inside the Rose Garden, you see the large hedges dead in the winter, but still conceal the interior of a beautiful sort of sculpture garden. A large reflecting pool at the end of it. A statue, half-elf, half-spider woman, and a small half-elf, half-spider child. Clarice enters on this scene and sees you, Lola, sitting nearby the statue. She walks over to you, Lola. I look up at her. Maybe not directly at her, but I glance up and say, Hello, Clarice. She speaks in a voice of surprising calm and understanding. She says, Shall we take a stroll around the garden? Yes. Let's. And I slowly get up and and brush off my 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 dress and look at her and we start to walk. The garden here is large and expansive. As you walk across the grass, now overgrown in places where you once played childish games like the game of graces and badminton and croquet, you smile at these fond memories. Hmm. She seems to smile back as if in recollection as well. Seems like ages ago, doesn't it? Yes. Back then everything was a lot more innocent, more simple. Hmm. Clarice, you were such a cunning croquet player. You always bested me every game. Yes, well, I do have a little bit of a competitive streak, though not unlike yourself, Lola. I don't know what you mean. Oh, you're a monster of the game of graces. A decidedly ungraceful way of saying it, but fair enough. I I was rather decent, I suppose, (laughs) but it wasn't much of a competition. Now, Now, Croquet, you were absolutely calculating every time. I I I did my best, but neither Mariana nor neither Mariana nor I could ever ever beat you. She smiles at your mention of her. <laughs> Chuckles and she says <laughs> Oh poor Mr Fran Miss Francis, do you remember? Mariana used to cast Mage Hand and move around the blackboard eraser erasing the equations and tossing it at her hair. Oh, she was an absolute <laughs> devil. Oh, goodness, yes. But it was all a bit of fun, wasn't it? I mean, she she was ghastly at times, Mrs. Francis. Oh, absolutely. 
terrible. I don't know what Father was thinking. <laughs> I don't know either. Oh, but do you remember the earwig she found in her cup of tea? It wasn't real, of course. It was all just a minor illusion, but... That was you? It, it wasn't me, per se, but it was... Perhaps something that I inspired little Mariana to try out, you know, test her magical abilities. <laughs> well, she always did look up to you. Oh, but to you as well. She loved you. Mm. <laughs> you walk and you've been circling around the garden as you talk. And you come back to the statue of your mother and your sister your mother's hand on the young girl's shoulder, both staring down at you. The statue is a memorial to both of them, lost so early. And in winter, only the thorns remain ensnaring the statue. It's beautiful. Hauntingly so. You can remember those awful days Seeing doctors swarming around your mother and Mariana's bed, staring over them for days, and, well, their deaths were apart, both suffered these long periods of drawn-out deaths here in the manor, ones you never could really get over. Clarice, when did father... When was this erected? I... I... I must say, I'm just... I'm taken aback. He had it made... Well... A few years before he died. You were away. We weren't able to contact you. He never... He regretted what he did, Lola. He tried to reach out, but you were gone. There were so many years I was in that cottage alone with our aunt. He could have sent letters then. He could have. He should have. But you know, Papa, he's stubborn. Yes. And then, perhaps by the time he wanted to m make contact with me, I was, I was gone. I was traveling with the Nightingale Watch. Oh, Clarice. I, I don't regret leaving the manor. I truly do not. I refused to be bid and bargained for by these preposterous suitors just to keep the manor for our family. I will never regret my decision but without mama there was no one there to guide you no one to nurture you and I suppose being so distraught I, I just couldn't take on the task oh, I failed I failed Mariana and I failed you when I left our family was left shattered and you were left and you were left completely alone I couldn't bear to write I was so devastated by everything that had happened but I should have you were so young I should never have let you go Clarice can you ever forgive me she embraces you in a hug and she says choking back tears and of course, Dilla. Lola, of course. <laughs> I've... I found my own way. Besides... I know. And besides... We found our own way back together again. <laughs> and I embrace her even tighter. It begins to lightly snow. The snowflakes fall and land on your armor, Chosh. They don't melt. Your armor is so cold, 
and they slowly start to pile up as you stand over Argus holding the sword. Chasha's helmet is back on now and he um, looks solemnly at Argus and says Argus I'll need you to put your head down now. Well, I don't want to go out looking at your ugly mug anyway. Best for both of us, I suppose. He puts his head down. Chosh will raise the sword over his head and cut Argus's bindings. There's a few moments of stunned silence before he realizes what's been done. Argus stands up and looks at you. Are you sure about this? Chosh will um, stick the sword in the dirt and take a step back and say, we can't have any enemies in the house, but I don't care about enemies outside. Get out of here. And he'll turn around and walk to the door and stand and look at Argus expectantly. He nods at you. Then he starts walking off towards the forest. Okay. 16. 3, 24, 18. Wow. 16. 16? Yes. I thought I said 18. Literally, it's 16. I just, just said it was 16. I think I said I was just wondering what you were doing with this. I was like, I was going to say that. Puzzles for babies. <laughs> Alexa, can you please find puzzles for babies? <laughs> I got a message on my phone. Alexa said you options for puzzles for babies. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank fun. you. Um... Eight piece puzzle? That's too much. That's too much. That's too hard. I can't solve that. Um, 